From Podcast One and the Lady Gang, are you ready for a relatable, unapologetic take on life? This is the Ladies Like Us podcast with Nazanin Mandy and Nadia Mohan. Welcome to Ladies Like Us. I'm Nazanin Mandy. And I'm Nadia Mohan. So before we get to the show really quick, I just wanted to say thank you to all of our great sponsors. We want to thank you guys for all of your support. And to learn more about them, please check out our show notes for this episode. All right, guys. Today, our guest is Naz's trainer. Yeah. So if you want to know, she gets that hot bod. <laughs> Tori Shack will be here to tell all the secrets. We call her Hori Tori. Hori Tori. Um, love Tori. She's here. She's going to talk to us about her nonprofit organization, Tangible Movement. Um, and we're going to talk about mental health and fitness and all kinds of good stuff. But first, let's get into our high of the week and blue of the week. Mm-hmm. You want to get high? The fuck? Man, <laughs> mine's lame. It's okay. <laughs> Nothing exciting really happened. Um, high of the week. Ha, ha. <laughs> Obviously, we were high. Omar and I went out um, the other night, uh-huh. and we went to Market Street Bar, which is like our local bar down the street. Okay. And it's... <laughs> it is was, this the like, cheap drink one? Yeah. Oh, okay. oh my God. Okay, okay, okay. It's like... We, we shouldn't say that. Uh, the, the drinks are not cheap. I They're mean, fairly priced. Sorry. And, and strong. It's a great place to go. I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They're, you're just sending them customers. <laughs> no, I'm not even going to lie. Market Street Bar is the shit. It's in Inglewood. Um, what's her name that works there? Everybody knows her. Uh, it starts with a T. Now it's going to kill me. I'm going to remember and find out later. But well, anyways. Market Street Bar, now you owe her a lot of free drinks for this shout out. Yes. And Ronnie, Omar. Ronnie, that's Ronnie. Her name. Ronnie, you better hook Ronnie's them up. Ronnie's the shit. She, you know, she hooks us up. But yeah, we went there. Just him and I. We had nothing else to do. Went there, got some wings. Ooh, <laughs> we got completely uh, lemon pepper and buffalo. This is a really good high. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> we got completely trashed. I think I had like two drinks, which, like you know, I my tolerance is high. No. Yeah, I, we had like two, maybe three drinks. And you were trashed? Trashed. And it was great. We came home. It got, it got crazy. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. <laughs> That's like, the, the, you guys are my cousins. So like, it's so weird to hear this. Whatever. But it's not weird. I have to hear all kinds of nasty shit from you and Miguel. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, Pussy is mine. Hello. Uh, Remember that song? <laughs> yeah. I didn't want him to put that out, by the way. Remember when your dad went to go watch him sing that? Yes. Oh, it was cringy. And I was sitting in the audience. It was in Seattle. My dad lives in Seattle. And Miguel had a show out there. And we were all sitting in the audience. And that song came on. And I just wanted to melt away. I would. I would want to die. It was I wish I was there to see that though, because I would have loved that. It was that been it hilarious. was horrifying. That would have been hilarious. That and my dad's wedding speech, horrifying. I, I loved it. I loved it all. <laughs> I was there for it. Yeah. No. It was so, crazy. All right. So what about your high? So my high of the week, I was in Paris for Fashion Week, and it was the best trip to Paris. Really? Yeah. It lo- I mean, it looked like you guys had a we, blast. I was only there really for like a day and a half because mm-hmm. I had to come back. 
but responsibilities we, yeah <laughs> man responsibilities being an adult i know so sucks. i had yeah i had to come back um but that day and a half like we really had the best time what'd you guys you do know? we okay so we went out we had dinner at this place called giraffe and it's a restaurant that's facing the Eiffel Tower. So it's oh. like a front row seat to the Eiffel Tower. You posted that. I saw it. Oh, that my was so God. pretty. And then at 11 p.m., mm-hmm. they light up the Eiffel Tower. That's my favorite. And, and they, it twinkles. Yes. Mm-hmm. They light it up every hour till 1 a.m. So, mm-hmm. you know, it only goes off a couple times. Right. But it was just so, so romantic. I Magical. mean, you know, Drew was there. <laughs> <laughs> but it was as romantic yeah. as we could have it. Just you, Miguel, and, and Drew. Drew. <laughs> You know, the usual. But it was super romantic. And then after that, we ended up at somebody's house. I don't want to say who it is. Oh, okay. I don't even know this story, so you're going to have to tell me later. Yeah, I, I, I can't say who it is. Uh-huh. But this person was so hospitable and amazing. Uh-huh. And it was kind of like, oh, okay. I'm dying to know. <laughs> yeah, we ended up, this is going to sound crazy, in his basement. But like, Oh, oh it's a man yeah, in his basement. It's a, it's a man, but it was a great party. We were not the only ones there. But it was an g- amazing party. And then the next day we went out to dinner with a bunch of friends and we went to this restaurant. They had like a chef's table and just kept bringing food, and, Ugh, you know, more and more, food. more food and more food. And I haven't been eating since I came home. Like I, I can't eat anymore. No, I, like I don't want to eat. We ate a lot. We ate a lot. <laughs> like a lot. And oh, my clothes are tight. I went to the restroom. I came back. There was parchment paper across the table uh-huh. and desserts on no plates just draped uh. across the parchment table and forks everywhere. Like people were just digging. suddenly horny. <laughs> <laughs> like people were just digging into this food. Uh. And Did you take pictures of that? Uh, Drew took a lot of video okay. of that I because he couldn't that. eat it. So oh. he took video. God, that sucks. I know. He's a vegan. Shout out to the vegans. You guys are strong. I, I couldn't do it. I don't know how you do it. I don't I just, know how you do it either. It. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, but, I mean, I get it, but... Uh, no, it takes a lot of willpower. What about cheese? <laughs> I mean, really, what about cheese? What about cheese? Uh, what about so many things? I know. Like, I, I don't know. It's hard. But yeah, that trip was amazing. That's awesome. You know, we had no hiccups. Everything yeah. was so smooth and like everyone was in such a good mood. We danced. All I, I texted before I got there, I said, babe, all I want to do with you is just dance. Right. Like we haven't had those moments in a long time. Right. And we did. And it was so fun. Good. Yeah, it was really Paris fun. Paris is always a good idea. <laughs> always a good idea. Yes. Oh, all right. So let's get into the blows. Uh, again, mine is boring and lame. Okay. <laughs> For my mundane life I'm living this week. Um, so you know what really irks me and just kills me and grinds my gears is when I get out of the shower mm-hmm. and I grab a fresh towel, quote unquote, fresh towel, and it smells like mildew. Ugh. No, I don't like that. It is the worst. And it's because, you know, I probably at some point forgot that I had to put the laundry into the dryer. I've done that. Actually, I probably did that to you. <laughs> yeah, you did. Actually. I'm sorry. You're right. I, my mind has been crazy. And <laughs> she asked me to put her clothes yeah. in the dryer and I forgot. And that yeah. is my fault. That's, you had a probably that towel. load. It's I, probably that load. I'm sorry. You're fine. I'll buy I, you I a new towel. <laughs> <laughs> but you're like, you know, you wipe yourself and yeah. then you're just like, you don't notice it till you, it's already on. 
on you and you're like, oh, I stink and I don't have time to wash myself and get another towel. I have to go. No, I. It's ugh, it's awful. I hate it. No, you know what I hate too is when I'll wash. So the cats are obsessed mm. with laying on like warm, clean Blankets. clothes. Oh, right. So like fresh out. The, yes, yeah. fresh out the. Mm-hmm. I don't blame them. Yeah, me yeah. neither. Like fresh out of the dryer. Yeah. And I'll put this stuff on the floor because I'm ready to fold it. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. fir- they run to it. You're right. Sometimes I'll forget, and then I get out of the shower. I'm obviously all wet. Mm-hmm. And covered I'm, in cat hair? Yes. <laughs> covered in cat hair. And I'm like, no. oh, my I God. Can't. And, and you're wet, too. Yeah. And so I have no. to jump back in. That's annoying. Yeah, it's so annoying. But can't I'd rather I, I'd rather have that than no cats. So it's fine. It's <laughs> true. This yeah. is, you just like, when you have pets, you accept the hair. You just yeah, accept that you it's have to, ex- yeah. You have to accept it. Yeah, because it's everywhere. It's yeah, so annoying. For sure. But how about you? What's your blow? My blow of the week, um, you know, for some reason, and I think it's all the jet lag. Mm-hmm. My anxiety has been really bad. Oof. Like, re- like it's been really like I was on the phone last night with Darla probably till past one. And, you know, she doesn't go to bed that late. Mm-hmm. And I was just crying. Like, it, it's been a lot. Fuck. It's been a lot. Like, I have a lot happening and I'm trying to navigate. And right. It's giving me anxiety and she's walking me through it. And, right. And she's just making sure that. I'm not freaking out and falling back. I think like you are a person that really thrives on routine and control. Yeah. And when you like now things are really picking up for you and it's so amazing, but it's a lot for you to handle because you're not used to like, it's just a intense. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a lot. Like I even had the conversation and I had this like in Paris when we were having fun, mm-hmm. I had to say something cause it was so much. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I talked to Miguel about it and he's like, you cannot dim yourself because you're scared anymore, mm-hmm. you know, or you can't do that for other people to make them feel comfortable. Right. He's like, you did that for me for over 10 years. Right. You cannot do this anymore. Right. So I'm like battling with that right now. Right. So that's my low of the week. My blow. My blow of the week. <laughs> well, lucky for you today, we're talking about all things mental health. <sighs> exactly. So we are going to talk about that. Tori can walk me through it. <laughs> yeah. We can talk about anxiety and yeah. all that fun stuff. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Not so fun stuff. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. When we get back, we're going to discuss mental health and the stigma surrounding it. Get ready. So Nas, you know every car comes with its own share of stories. Every car. You know, like that one time you put a gash on the side of your car because you drove off with the gas pump still attached Ouch. the night you broke up with your boyfriend? Yikes. Yep, that really happened. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car's worth and when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof. A moonroof? What's a moonroof? It's a roof. You look (laughs) at the moon moon? through. That's what it is. Watch as they bump up your value. High mileage. Ding, ding, that's Mm. me. You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. And Mm -hmm. I love to plan ahead. You sure do. Yep. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True cash offer not available in all areas. 
Our guest today is the founder and executive director of the nonprofit organization Tangible Movement. She's a celebrity trainer, a dear friend of mine who was and still is a huge part of my personal growth in many ways. Introducing <laughs> Tori Shack. <laughs> what up, guys? Hey, Tori. Thanks for having me. Hori Tori, as I'd like to call her. <laughs> uh, yes, that's her favorite her favorite terminology for me. And it kind what? of is a little bit true. It just works. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if the shoe fits. I wear it. <laughs> it's not a heel. No, it's definitely not a heel. It's not a heel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tori. Well, thank you for being here with us today. Yeah. We got lots of great things to talk about. Very um, excited. Yeah. So 2016, you started Tangible Movement, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what made you get into that? What made you start it? Well, that would have What to is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Nas is an ambassador for it, so I, I hope she knows. Yes. Okay. Yes, I don't, yes. and our viewers don't. <laughs> All right, so we're a 501c3 nonprofit corporation that was formed to inspire, educate, and provide support for youth and young adults who are struggling with mental health conditions, suicidal ideation, gender identity issues, um, and addiction. Got it. That's amazing. We it is need amazing. More things like that. Yeah. We need more support for agreed, sure. Agreed. Agreed. And I think now we're getting to a place where people are talking about it more. It's more out in the open. The right. stigma is starting to fade, but mm -hmm. it's still there. You know, why Why do you think there even is a stigma that's, like, related to mental health and mental illness? Um, just because people are not educated about it. Mm -hmm. And that's where you come in. Yes, exactly. Right. Yes, and the right. whole platform for tangible movement is an educational awareness platform. Right. You know, um, people just don't see um, – depression as a disease or a disorder or, you know, anything along those lines, they see a lot of times they see it as, oh, they're just lazy. Or mm -hmm. if you have anxiety, you know, mm -hmm. okay, they're just, you know, loners. They want to stay inside their house all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. people don't have the same view of a mental illness that they do of cancer. Right. Well, at yeah. all. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. Now, do you feel like people who are depressed a lot of the times don't even know they're depressed? Yes, and that's another reason why I started the movement was because I, when I was younger, mm -hmm. I had no idea what was going on. Mm -hmm. I, no one told me what was happening. You know, I started seeing a psychiatrist at, um, you know, age 14. I was diagnosed severely depressed with potential bipolar and um, ADHD. Right. And I still was like a total oddball. Out. I was going to a Catholic high school, and I'm Jewish. <laughs> that is <laughs> – really? I never yeah. knew that. My dad sent me there either. because I thought I was a tagger in junior high. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was spray painting. <laughs> so, yeah, I was tagging. I thought I was like all hardcore tagger in right. junior high. And my dad's like, all right, yeah, you're going to go to this Catholic high school. And Wait, I was this in Orange North, County? Yeah, Santa Margarita Catholic High School. You went what? there? Mm -hmm. Wait. I didn't even know your... this. This house. is like two minutes from my house. I lived in Codo de Casa. Oh, that's right. I forgot you were in Codo. Mm -hmm. So my parents live in Walden. Okay. So Do you know where that is? Like right next to Did you ever tag Walden? Canyon? Yeah. I'm like, where was this tagging <laughs> happening? <laughs> it was Did actually happening at La, La Paz Middle School. Oh, oh. my God. I don't know where that is. The lockers. <laughs> Tor Tori was at La Paz. I can't. <laughs> this is hilarious. Yeah. 
<laughs> wow. Okay. Spray painting La Paz Middle School, and yep. your dad was like, oh, "I need to have her find Jesus." Like, um, no, he just thought the nuns would be able to deal with me a little bit better. Oh, wait. And was this like an all-girl Catholic school? No, oh, no, it's you would have liked that. <laughs> if I knew I was gay. Right. Oh, point, yeah. oh, okay. You didn't know yet. So when? Okay, got it. When okay, did okay. you know? When did you start to figure out that you were gay? Like, in hindsight, or as the process was happening? Uh, let's do both. So as the process was happening, okay, I grew up in Orange County, which was super, super conservative. There was no brown. There was no black. There was no nothing except right. for white and Catholic, Protestant, whatever. Right. My dad um, was a total racist and homophobe. Completely. Which total. is so crazy. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Match and, made. <laughs> um, yeah. So I naturally took on racism as my belief. Of course. And homophobia as well as my mm-hmm. belief. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's crazy. So, you know, I started feeling weird things. You know, like, ugh, when the classes get out and the girls see each other at the class, like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you in, like, 45 minutes. <laughs> like, oh, my God, give me a hug. Oh, my God. You weren't like that. No. Well, the problem was she I, wanted didn't the hugs, like, I didn't like uh-huh. when they hugged me because it felt a certain type of way. Oh, oh right. And I okay. didn't like I, and I didn't know what it was. Right. Yeah, it was scary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um. You were feeling things and yeah, didn't know I was what like, they what were. Yeah, what was going on? Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> Moisty. <laughs> maybe a little. Uh, maybe a little bit. I can't. Um, yeah, so I kind of figured it out, like, in high school. My mom knew before I did. Um, Why does that, oh, that always, always happen? I don't know. The moms. The moms. Yeah, they know it. So once I came to the realization around 15 that I was gay or attracted to girls Mm -hmm. i was like well my life's over you know my dad's Mm -hmm. always said you know like you have you're gonna grow up you're gonna get a husband you're gonna have two kids you have a white picket fence and all that and this and the other i can't even see you with that me neither like that is that's all i envisioned when at that age right right so um i couldn't figure out i had boyfriends but like i couldn't figure out why my girlfriends like would bail on me to hang out with their boyfriends and I, like, because they, they wanted to hang out with them so badly, right? I'm like, I always was canceling on my boyfriend to hang out with my girlfriend. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Sign number two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's, like, adding. Yeah. Yes. So I was doing drugs this time. I was actually, um, my first entrepreneurial job was um, a drug dealer. Okay. And so I was dealing weed at the time. And I didn't um, even know you were around. Damn. Yep. I know. It was good. It was like, everybody knew to go to Tory. Everybody knew to go to Tory. She was down the street. She was down the street. (laughs) Damn it. And yeah, so that was, yeah. Um, And then what happened was I had this crush on this girl and I was super depressed, like going through a super depressive episode, smoking, drinking. And um, again, I just thought my life could not continue like this. There was mm-hmm. no point. So I attempted suicide at 15, mm. and I ended up in my first psyche, psych ward. Mm-hmm. Did this catch your parents completely, like, off guard? Did they – were they just – Or did they see it coming? Um, I, I don't think they saw it coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, they saw I was pr- – I had problems, but they didn't know that they were – You would take big. it that right. far. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So after I got out of there, um, I was a troublemaker, definitely. Not a troublemaker. I was just getting into detention all the time. Mm-hmm. So I had severe anger issues, mm-hmm. right? Um, I got into a fight in high school, Santa Margarita, and I ended up punching the dean in the face. <gasps> Sorry. And I got kicked wow. out of high school. Yeah. Kicked out of high school. Wow. Went to Capistrano, Capo. Okay. And I started uh, snorting Ritalin. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then I got into meth. Oh. 
Yeah. Tori. We are like, wow. Yeah. What escalated quickly? And then I started selling it. I started selling that. Oh, okay. No. How did you, where did you even get it from? So this is an interesting story. So this guy I was dating at the time, he had this big time drug dealer and we would, we went to the, the house and there was all, the sons of the mother, the mother was a drug dealer. The sons were all like hardcore gangbangers. Mm. So we went in to get this. We got a whole bunch of stuff. We were leaving, and my friend had, like, a red handkerchief hanging out of his pocket or something. I guess, I don't know, Bloods, right? Crips, right. whatever. Bloods. I guess these guys were the Crips, the blue guy, Blues Blue, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he <laughs> – I don't know. She's well-educated so, in her game. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, real, real educated. So they uh, – as soon as we got in the car, they started shooting at us as we left, and bullets were flying through the car. What? And I was like – and then, and then I realized what had happened, why we got shot at. It was because he was wearing red and he had a red car. Oh, oh my God. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm just not going to go back with him. I'll go back alone. Oh, Lord. So I did. And the gangbangers all loved me. And the mom, the mother loved me. So mm-hmm. it was great. Um, I had a serious, awesome supply. I was dealing it all over the place. And then um, I landed uh, into treatment. I got down to about mm, almost 90 pounds. Ooh. I'm probably about 140 right now. Right. Um, so I got there. Yeah, got out of treatment. Oh, in treatment, the cops wanted me to bust the dealer. Mm. I'm like, no. Of course. No, thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, She's no rat. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-mm. Go get your ass later. Mm-hmm. I was exactly. like, yeah, they'll, they'll, they <laughs> yeah. will definitely get me. Yeah. And then, um, let's see what happens. 17. Um, yeah, so I struggled with depression and addiction, basically continuing going on throughout my entire life Mm -hmm. and then the racism kind of subsided for me when i went to college which was at santa barbara Mm -hmm. um where you were more exposed to other cultures yes Mm -hmm. to um it was really my first experience with black people Mm -hmm. right really Mm -hmm. um so crazy to think about. No, yeah. I mean, I can vouch for that. I grew up in that area. Right. I know exactly. It's the same shit for me. Yeah. I mean, I I went to Mission Viejo, so there was a little bit more of a mix. And you probably gravitated more. Oh, to, yeah. yeah. As soon as I moved to that school, I was like, where are all the dark-skinned people? <laughs> where are all the people that are closer to me? Right. Exactly. exactly. Like, and we all hung out on the hill, and it was all, mm-hmm. like, Filipino, Mexican, black. Like, right little cultural group of kids and we all grabbed because it was just more familiar you know we had more in common and it was just nothing wrong with or disrespect for white people but it's just i didn't relate to them and i didn't connect as much you know on on a deeper level i mean i have all kinds of mixed friends but once i got to high school i was like oh Mm. now i feel like i belong yeah you know so no it was it's it's a culture shock uh it was major Mm -hmm. for me because i in our household we would refer to minorities with um uh, a really inappropriate name Mm -hmm. all minorities right um so yeah i got to college and i was i was a history major and i started learning obviously educating myself more Mm -hmm. and the racism slowly subsided my Mm -hmm. girlfriend at the time hated it Mm-hmm. And so I slowly would started growing out of it. But um, when I got into high school or college, um, I started having severe panic disorder. Mm. So that was my first um, bout, my first, uh, I guess, thing with anxiety. Mm-hmm. It was well, debilitating. So when you experienced that, I'm imagining panic attacks. Is yep. that what? Okay. Mm-hmm. And in like what setting or like just any time or? For one year, one year straight, I had them at least almost three times a day. Ooh. Wow. It was exhausting. And I got agoraphobic 
agoraphobia means you're just afraid to go outside because if you're afraid that it's going to another panic attack is going to happen. Right. right. I was afraid to go to Ralph's. Like Ralph's caused a panic attack. Oh my god. Uh, going around a certain corner would so cause a panic attack. Any kind of interna- interaction or just being in public. And, yeah. And what happens in this panic attack? Um, I go completely like tunnel vision. My I can't hear anything. It's like uh, ringing, really loud ringing in my ears. Mm-hmm. My f- my palms are just like dripping with sweat. Wow. Um, and I feel like the world is just going to end right right then and there. Like wow. I can't see reality anymore. Right. So I'm guessing you slept this awful lot or tried to? Uh, or took, were you still doing drugs? No, I, I, I was prescribed Xanax for it. Uh, and um, so I was taking a lot of Xanax, mm-hmm. but I was afraid to drink. I was afraid to do my drugs of choice, which was um, opiates. Mm-hmm and Adderall. So I just didn't do anything for almost a year because I was so afraid it would cause more panic. I mean, I'm sure it would. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. It yeah. aggravates yeah. it. Yeah. Um, wow. But Xanax is, you yep. know. But I hated taking it because I had to take it. I know. Right. Yeah. And it kind of just makes you feel like, like what? How, it, it numbs you, right? Chill. Chill. Right. I mean, you want to sleep. I know I personally want to sleep. Right. It relaxes you. It relaxes you, but you get to a point, and I, you know, I know a few people that, now it's like they can't function without it. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know? It's extremely you, addicting. Yes, mm-hmm. it's very addicting. That's scary. So it's it's one of those things where it's like, if you don't want to become addicted, you have to really take a small piece Portion here. Portion it out, and then, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. because you can become very 100%. addicted to it. percent. That's scary. Yeah. yeah. So um, after that, I was like, after the, I started drinking again. Um, but pills were my drug of choice. Mm-hmm. Right. So I did drink, but pills were my drug of choice. Um, I did some recreational stuff with uh, – it was called ecstasy back then. You guys call it Molly now. Well, Molly's is the pure form. Pure form right. yeah. of MDMA. ecstasy. Yeah. So I did that, and I lost my mind. Like I thought bats were flying out of my room. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, <laughs> that sounds fun. I thought, like, <laughs> no, it's not kidding. Horrible. I, I had a spider incident, oh, so okay, okay. we will not get into yeah. that. So. <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I made it through college, and I graduated. I ended up – I was actually um, – I interned in the White House under Bill, Bill Clinton. Wow. Through all of this, yeah. you managed to still complete college. Top of my class. Wow. That's mm-hmm. amazing. That's yeah. incredible. I know. I was pretty lucky. Yeah. Um, what kept you – how did you stay so focused with all of that going on? I was super interested in my studies. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which, which was – History and still history? In, international, international relations. So mm-hmm. you kept that throughout. You didn't change your major at all. Interesting. It was, was poli-sci. I changed history because there was too much math. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I hate yeah, math. No I math. Hate, I hate math, too. Math. <laughs> no. Um, I wanted to be a politician. Interesting. Yep. So after I got – after I worked in Washington, I was like, okay, no, this is right, not, yeah. Right, Um, But, yeah, um, once I got out of college, the economy wasn't great, and I was working at a gym, actually, and drinking around the clock 24-7. Oof. So I'd be giving And the, working at the gym? Yeah, so you know the little shaker bottles? Oh, my God. No, you would not. Have alcohol in it at all times, alcohol in all times. And so I'd be giving people tours, just like chugging oh, down. <laughs> wow. What yeah. kind of alcohol? Whatever I can get my hands on, like, didn't stink too bad. Like, usually, like, uh, vodka, vodka mm-hmm. or I'd put beer in there sometimes if my manager right. wasn't around. 
And then someone, wow. yeah. They're like, it's just a little beer. All <laughs> day <laughs> long. A little beer. She's like, drop it, give me 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was all day. Wow. Around the clock. Wow. That's crazy that you were just functioning like that. Yeah. yeah you I were was a functioning well, you're, alcoholic. I was a functioning mm-hmm. alcoholic. And mm-hmm. he, that's the thing. Is the people function until you no longer function. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. then you just crash. You hit that rock bottom. Yeah. Right? It's like drinking is fun and then fun with problems and then problems. Right. Oof. So for most people, you were self-medicating yourself with these drugs and alcohol because you had all these other things inside of you that you had. Yeah, the anxiety, the depression that all stemmed basically from your like not being out or what was it? The mental illness, I, it runs in my family, that part. Right, right. But yeah. as far as, yeah, I had, I had really bad internalized homophobia. Mm, okay. Even and as, so were even you as out? a gay people, I was I was out in college. Okay, I, I had my like my first experience in college. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when did you come out to your parents? That in college? No, no, no. When my mom figured it out and she called me out on it. Oh, yeah. Okay. How you, did that go down? My mom was fine with it. Um, my dad was not okay. Of course. Yeah. Mm-mm. Damn. He took him a good ten years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. To yeah. come around. Right. Yeah. And he finally did. So, um. And how did that go down? Well, <laughs> we were having Thanksgiving at my house no, no, with Blake. No. Good old Thanksgiving. Oh, so you you were in you, a relationship. We already. were together for seven years. Okay. So you brought her. Well, we lived together. Okay. No, 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 but Thanksgiving. I brought my parents to my house for Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay, okay. So they were talking about my sister being engaged and how exciting that was. And my mm-hmm. dad always talked or uh, referred to my girlfriend as my roommate. <laughs> All the time. That's how they would talk. Oh, my God. So, I don't know. I was just... You you were over it. Yeah, I was finally over it. I'm like, I'm cooking this ass dinner at my house, and he's referring to my girlfriend of seven years as a A roommate roommate still. I'm like, I'm over it. So, I just put the turkey on the table. I said, Dad, I said, look, she's not my roommate. She is my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. I lick her. No! No! That is not what roommates do, Dad. I need you to understand and respect the fact that she is my girlfriend. Your dad was like, what? Did the turkey go flying? Was there a scene? What happened? I lick her gravy and giblets. (laughs) (laughs) Can you pass the mashed potatoes? Yeah, I just had Was there silence? What happened? There was silence. Okay. And he said, okay. Wow. And that was it. Did he eat? Oh, yeah, we all ate. Because oh. me and my dad, like, we'll fight. And then we're like, are you hungry? I'm like, yeah, I'm hungry. Right. Like, I get over on. Really I mean, yeah. look, he probably knew. Oh, he knew. Yeah, yeah, he knew. It, this is just denial. He, you know. Well, there's a stigma associated with that and with mental illness. So, like, when my mom wanted to take me to therapy, she told my mom, my my dad told my mother, mm-hmm. do not use insurance and do not pay with check, only cash. So there's no paper trail. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I went to see his accountant or if I needed, you know, any legal advice he would always say do not tell because they're his friends do not tell them that you are homosexual yeah because your dad is an attorney right yeah Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. um so yeah that stigma was like around gay and the um mental illness right right so um yeah out of college i started my own i got in the mortgage business started that was very successful uh drinking drugging heavily and oh blake uh and then blake eventually left me because i was a horrible uh, I was cheating on her constantly. Um, then I lost the mortgage business because the market failed and because I was drinking and drugging really heavy. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I got... it's like, how do you run a business? Yeah. 
eventually um, all things are going to fall apart. Yeah. So yeah. this is where the problem started happening. Mm-hmm. And um, so then I started, and then I got in the fitness world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barry, Barry's boot camp. Barry from Barry's boot camp. Um, I used to take his class every morning. He's like, can you just try not to drink like one day because you reek of alcohol every time you come in here. Damn. Wow. I told him to go get effed. And okay. uh, he was my boot camp instructor and not my mother. Mm-hmm. And when I wanted his advice, I'd ask for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And he kept after me mm-hmm. still every day. He's like, he just tries staying sober one day. And I didn't realize he was big into AA. Mm-hmm. And um, anyways, long story short, he became my sponsor. Uh, I got sober and I really wanted his job because mm-hmm. I wanted to scream and yell at people and call them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she loves yeah, to like, do. And literally like Martyrs. degrade yeah. basically. Yeah. Oh, is that what we do? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> that was that? Oh, so now I no, understand. I was yeah, yeah, Mom's yeah. likes to take the <laughs> She likes that BDSM <laughs> style workout. Oh Get on the floor, you stupid old. No, that's literally how I used to train. Oh, no. Oh, my God. No I'd wonder why Darla doesn't want to train she, with you. Oh, Darla saw how I did it. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody does. No. And um, I calmed down considerably. Um, I would have to say, yes, you have, because I actually have never seen this side. Oh, yeah. I all. Like a drill I, sergeant. I, yeah. They, they wouldn't let me teach at berries in the valley because i cussed too much and told call people pussies and all this <laughs> stuff and i'm like you pussy you're not running fast enough i'm like Why, might as well walk oh my grandma can walk faster than that she's six feet under what's wrong with you <laughs> oh my god so uh, they they banned me from teaching her <laughs> wow okay um, <laughs> not surprised yeah so um uh. i ended up getting some i got a i got into a niche of ironically r&b artists and choreographers as far as my client base is concerned mm-hmm. really hmm. very early on okay it all started from one and it was uh for mia michaels she was a choreographer mm-hmm. and she referred me so and so and so and so and then just that's like, how it happens music world. Yeah. yeah and um you know i ended up traveling with them and becoming you know doing their nutrition all the while um acting out heavily they didn't nobody knew drinking drugging and in my eating disorder oh still Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, um, this is because I would relapsed, like, mm. multiple times. Right. Um, Which happens a lot, yep, right? Yep, What What is the – do we know the stats on that? Like, There's really no rhyme or reason for it. But I mean, like, the, the percentage, percentage of people that relapse, it's pretty high, right? Very. Yeah. Very high. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I relapsed, and then, you know, I would literally sit in the car and binge, 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 and then go into the gym and scream at my client for not running fast enough on the treadmill. Wow. As you ate, like, carne asada Yeah. And then I needed to do drugs because I freaking felt like yeah. a fraud. No, you know what? I, wow. I saw this picture of her when she had – when you had your eating disorder. Yeah, And yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. What did you like? Look like? It, well, I was shredded at one point and yes. I was really not shredded at another point. <laughs> like, it was the one you were in, like, a black – you had, like, a black bikini bottom. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I went for that photo shoot. Yes. 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 Oh, is yeah. that when you wore makeup? Yes. I remember that. Yes. That photo. Yeah. That one time she that wore one, makeup. And she one needs time to do it heels. again. The yeah, heels. heels and everything. Lingerie. So were, were you were you trying to go for, like to be a bodybuilder? Like what was the... Um, yes. Uh, well, at that point I started dating, we'll just call her sociopath. Okay. Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> and um, she wanted me to be more feminine. Right. So... Was she malleable. was the more was yes. she the more masculine? And I've never dated I, anybody more masculine than right. me. Right, I can't I even picture this no. at all. 
It was really you, awkward. You like them feminine. Like yes. the long hair and lipstick. Like, this is yes. why I'm single because I date like quasi straight girls. <laughs> yeah. And they always go back to the peen. Well, yeah. I can't compete with it. You know what I mean? No, it's a peen. There's this yeah. warm and it's attached. <laughs> Well, we got to talk about how we got to fix that for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Can we set you up? With a peen? No! <laughs> She's like, been there, done that. Not and impressed. I have my own in my little <laughs> right. like love chamber at my apartment. Oh, my God. Lots of different colors. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, your toolbox. My toolbox. Like, your toolbox. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah, your toolbox. So, guys, I didn't know lesbians loved vacuum so much <laughs> yes. yes vacuums Tor- tools yeah yeah tori informed us last night that like she... vacuums are all the rage the dyson what was it like that's like the dyson vacuum v8 oh, animal v8 animal Whoa. excuse me no. it wow. sounds like a sex toy <laughs> this is... i mean it's like a sex toy this is <laughs> that awesome i was like last time i'm like oh my god yes oh my god give it to me yes stop <laughs> This is what lesbians use to flex on each other. They're like, oh, oh no. do you have a V8? Uh, no, no, no. I have a V10. 100%. 100%. <laughs> no. Yes. I call Blake. I'm like, I just got the Dyson shoes. Oh, my God. I just got the V10. <laughs> You're like, bitch. <laughs> You're going to have to upgrade. Yeah, yeah, I know. Soon. Yeah. That is so So now I'm... I know what to get you for your birthday. Oh. The upgrade. The super sucker. Yeah. <laughs> Or some attachments. Oh. oh. Yeah. You have enough. I do. And you saw it because pictures. <laughs> yeah. The strap-on like attachments. how many yes. attachments does a vacuum need? Depends on the lady. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Okay. So your journey Tori, your is life. crazy. Yeah. Your journey is crazy. And so flash forward to... So, okay. So you are dealing with all these things. And then you... How do you... Get well, clean. I'll yeah, like what was it's, the turning point for so you? So with a sociopath I was dating, um, and I don't tell this often, actually, but I'll go ahead and share it just in the hopes that it helps somebody else. But um, she, it was the first abusive relationship I'd ever been in. Mm-hmm. And it was, as far as to my, my recollection and my knowledge, it was the first time that I had been raped and I was raped in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and not only that, the verbal abuse and the emotional abuse was just like, it just sent me spiraling right. into my bottom. After we broke up, soon thereafter, I was in a severe depressive state. I was traveling again with my artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was traveling all over the place. So no one ever really knew where I was. Right. So I was always, you know, out and about. Yeah. yeah. Different city. Tour, I didn't yeah. check in with people like, hey, I'm in Texas right now. Right. You know, like. Right. Um, so were you lonely? I was lonely and I was in a hotel room in New York and I, f- I was in the throes of my eating disorder, my drug addiction and alcoholism and my depression mm-hmm. and so i was like this is it i'm done mm. so i attempted an overdose damn in that hotel room and um with drugs or yeah with pills uh-huh tons of pills and um i woke up to the tour manager pounding on the door saying where where have you been we've been trying to reach you mm-hmm. and i look around the room i'm soaked in urine there's, Whoa. like, food everywhere, everywhere. Like, pizza stuck to me, like, donuts on the wall. What? Like, wow. the whole entire, like, mini bar was just, like, on the floor, like, ripped apart. So I'm, like, through the door, I'm, like, hey, there's an emergency back home. Can you just book me a flight back to L.A.? Yeah. You know? And yeah. so um, I had to pay for the damages of the room. Um, to this day, they don't know. That client doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I checked myself into treatment. Mm-hmm. And that was almost nine years, eight years ago. Um, that you just knew like enough is enough. Like what, what made you do that? My friends had had it. Mm-hmm. 
my therapist was like, she's been trying to tell me for months I need to go to treatment. And mm-hmm. I knew if I kept going the way I was going, I was going to die. I was on a, I was on a death wish path. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, all right, I'm going to try this. I'm going to, I'm going to give it everything I have this mm-hmm. sobriety round this time. Mm-hmm. I, and if it doesn't work, you know, fine. But I'm going to, I'm going to put it first. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much strength that takes mm-hmm. and yeah, how lot. much courage it yeah. is? Yeah. Like to pick yourself up off the ground mm-hmm. when you're at rock bottom is incredible. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. A lot of people can't do no, that. No, they can't. Even, not even to the, that extreme. Mm-hmm. Like you were at your extreme. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's amazing. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're right. And it wasn't the, like the last time that I hit, you know, a certain bottom, but I got into a relationship while I was in treatment, which I don't recommend if any of you guys out there are going to go to treatment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Double don't the problems. Date anybody right. in there. Right, uh, right, right. So was she, was she bi? Was she? She was straight. Okay. And I walked oh, up to her. Here we go again. And I said, how many times have you been in treatment? Uh-huh. And she said, 27, not including 16 psychiatric stays. And I said, oh, my God, this is my wife. She understands you're like, me. She gets I, I, me. You're like, this is my soulmate. I'm, I'm going to marry this one. Sight. Yep. That's wow. exactly what it was. We moved in together. <laughs> Tori, your picker is uh, <laughs> I'm telling, this, a little broken. No, no, no. <laughs> Horrible. No, you're Horrible. Pick. This explains a lot. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. So then she convinced me to check myself into um, UCLA psychiatric, which I did. Mm-hmm. And all the while, these doctors were diagnosing me like, oh, you're bipolar. I'm like, I'm not, though. I don't mm-hmm. have, like, mania. I don't go into psychosis. Right. So it never made any sense. So I, I was always on the wrong medication. What were they basing that off of? Um, like, it's just crazy sometimes how they come up with these. And it's like. Right. Did they test you for anything? There's like, no testing. What's... And that's the thing is that I've literally been diagnosed with almost every everything under the sun. Right. right. And so that's why I was like. <sighs> I don't know what you're talking well, about. Well, a lot of them intertwine. Yes, a lot they of them do. Intertwine. They do, and they overlap. Right. Um, but yeah, um, once I got sober, I um, yeah, I ended up in the psych ward and then got out, got Rufus, and then she got really jealous about Rufus. Really? What? She's like, hey, I think you should return the dog because you're not giving me much attention anymore. Oh, Lord. So I said. Then she got to go. Oh, needy, needy. And that's what happened. Uh-huh. I said, so uh-huh. you're making me choose over you or the dog? A dog. And she's like, basically. I'm like, okay, well, I choose Rufus. Bye, girl. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Girl, Exactly. Yep. And look who's still around. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yep. And then me and Rufus ended I All my money had been spent on treatment because mm-hmm. I didn't have a health insurance. So I had mass. A large savings, and then all went to pay for treatment. Yeah, I had no money, no place to go, so I lived out of my car with Rufus for a number of months, homeless. Damn. I would you were still at the gym. training and stuff. Um, no, I had just gotten a job at Equinox. Oh, okay. like starting all over again. Right, right, right. right. And um, I would park underneath and shower at the gym. No one knew. I didn't tell anybody. I was like, "Hey, I'm homeless." You mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd see clients, and then I would go back to my car, and then sometimes I would stay the night at like Blake's house or someone's house. But right. it, it wasn't horrible. You know, mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm. like a horrible like experience. But um, and then I slowly, slowly built myself back up from there. And then Miguel came into my life. Mm. <laughs> yep, that's so crazy. Mm-hmm. He came into my life right shortly thereafter of me getting like back on my feet. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know it was that soon. Mm-hmm. That's I, so crazy. Yeah, it was, well, it was about a year after I was homeless. Or six months, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's months, yeah. very, that's still soon. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and I was really nervous. Um, you know, I was like, okay, I got to make it. And I had my sobriety first. I asked my sponsor. I'm like, should I, should I do this? Should I do right. these tours again? You know? Mm-hmm. Were you ever, and I, I actually don't know the answer to this. Were you ever tempted on tour? To like, because you know they're smoking, they're drinking, 
backstage like were you ever Mm -mm. tempted to try it again nope that's amazing i really didn't because i followed a really strict program i had a really good support system yeah um i i just was like it was not even an option to me Mm -hmm. so yeah the the partying and everything does not bother me at all smoking whatever like i could i could care less it did not trigger me whatsoever Mm -hmm. now if they were all had a bunch of pills and like oxy out you know right might have been a different Different story story. yeah Mm -hmm. That was not on that tour. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. That no, was no, not no. the pill tour. No, it was the uh, marijuana. Yeah. And, you know, that's the rich kids tour. drugs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's for the rich kids. Yeah, no. Yep. No. Wow. So then I started uh, going to see a, a couple other therapists and psychi- psychiatrists. And finally I was introduced to one and she's like, you're bipolar. And I'm like, oh. You're like, not again. And she's like, type two. And I was like, what? Oh, okay. And so, so she, what's the difference? The difference is type one is characterized by mania, like where you go manic mm-hmm. um, okay. for a period of seven days or more and usually requires hospitalization. Mm-hmm. And you lose – and a lot of times, not necessarily, but a lot of times it, uh, you end up in psychosis mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, people think that they are Jesus Christ or like a mermaid wow. or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I never experienced that. Mm-hmm. So what hi- type two is – is severe depressive episodes with hypomanic, um, like, episodes, like, mm-hmm. short, like, and it could be anger. Uh, uh. So the psychiatrist that I had seen finally uh, made it all very clear. She thoroughly educated me on all the different types of bipolar. Mm-hmm. And um, I finally accepted. It was for me, I came to a period of acceptance at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and started on a medication regimen. And, you know, medication's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Every, not everybody has to go on medication. Mm-hmm. For me, it was definitely necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and, noticed a difference. Oh, major. I've mm-hmm. never been more stable in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has been going on. I think I started started seeing her. I'm like, yeah, 2016. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which so, is the, hence the beginning of the nonprofit. Mm. Question about the medication. Yeah. Did you have to go through a few to figure out what worked for you? Yes. I figured. Mm-hmm. Okay. On average, it takes 10 years for people to be properly diagnosed wow. mm-hmm. who suffer from depression or any kind of mental illness. Mm-hmm. Right. For me, it just took a lot longer because I was just not in acceptance at all. Of right. That, that diagnosis didn't seem to fit. Mm-hmm. So I have been on literally throughout my life every antidepressant known to man. Mm-hmm. But the current cocktail that I'm on now is the one that works. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. And you've been doing that for how long now? Uh, since, 20, uh, since 2016. Okay. Mm-hmm good amount of time and and no no thoughts because i know a lot of you know antidepressants give you thoughts of suicide Mm-mm, you you which know which is so ironic to me mm-hmm. like yeah. how i had um really really bad suicidal ideation for a number of years okay uh, extru- what does that mean like so thoughts thoughts uh-huh. yeah mm-hmm. intrusive thoughts like i would just be driving my car oh drive off the cliff you, you're you know just <gasps> i get that all the time no i stop. swear to god okay that's that's a suicidal ideation oh yeah <laughs> No, but I don't take it serious because I'm like, you're like, what if? Yeah. Is that like a what? Kind of. I'm just like, what if I just like, like turned my car right now? Like I think about that stuff all the time when I do. You would die? Yeah. No, I know. (laughs) Like it's just like sick and twisted thoughts that pop in my head and I'm like, Do you think uh, it's all the sick and twisted things you watch on YouTube? Oh, Possibly. Possibly. No, but I mean, who knows though? Because I've 
definitely experienced and gone through depression without knowing I was depressed. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I didn't know either. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. what is this? And how do I not feel this way? Right. I feel like majority of people are like that. They yeah. are. Yeah. And that's why you know? the movement, I started the tangible movement because I knew at that point, once I finally got relief and acceptance of my diagnosis and finally mm-hmm. got the medi- proper medication mm-hmm. and just felt like like a functioning person, human. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is... I need to start something to help other people because I'm, I know other people are going through this. Absolutely. And I'd hit a point in my life where uh, when you hit a certain age, mm-hmm. um, you start usually, usually in like mid-30s or so, uh, you start thinking about giving back. And mm-hmm. the, the work, just like taking money and making money for stupid things doesn't really satisfy anymore. Completely. Right? So you got to start doing things that help other people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's where I was in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, – and so, yeah, so I started Tangible Movement, and basically what that means is I go around to schools, uh, high schools, colleges, and universities, um, corporations, and medical conferences, and talk about my experience, mm-hmm. um, and talk about, you know, mental health conditions in general, mm-hmm. um, and about coping, co- healthy mm-hmm. coping tools, coping mm-hmm. mechanisms, usually wellness, like working out, eating mm-hmm. healthy, having a support system, going to a therapist, mm-hmm. reading, and talking about it. Definitely openly right. talking about it. That's the first step. Major. Yeah. Major first step. Recognizing yeah. that there's something there, first of all. Yeah. And, and then having the courage to say it out loud to somebody, you mm-hmm. know, whether it be a friend or a therapist or whatever. Right. To just, I mean, because you can think this all you want, but if you don't say it out loud, you know what I mean? It's not the full recognition. Mm-hmm. So you got to do that. And then, and then take action. Yeah. Yep. And that's the that's thing. The you have part. to take action. Yeah. yeah. You have to. A that's lot of people don't. Yeah. yeah. And they don't because either they can't afford it. Mm-hmm. They don't have access. They just don't know how. Or they just cannot get off the bed. Mm-hmm. Or they think they can do it on their own. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're self-medicating. Right. Ugh. Right. So, yeah. Oh, and I should, I should say also, because we didn't cover this part, I was a racist. I am no longer <laughs> a racist. Let's make, it Let's make that clear. very clear. Former racist. Yeah. <laughs> Tori Shad. We are, applaud you for yes. that, Tori. Yes. That's, I mean, even saying that's that. That's huge, though. Even, that's huge. Even acknowledging no. that yeah. that's who you were before, a lot of people are afraid to even say that. So Yeah, yeah and it's I, and people have said to me, like, wow, thank you for saying that because I, I didn't think there was a way for me to get out of yeah. that right. lifestyle. and. My dad started changing too because all my clients were black, all right. of them. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, when I started tra- uh, training Miguel, he was really like over the hump more or less. And he's like, hey, um, can I – I saw – he saw a T-shirt I was wearing. He's like, can I, can I get a Miguel shirt? Oh, yeah. so cute. I that love that yeah. story. So, I, so he has – the one with the – one where it was like he was like a cartoon drawing kind of thing. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. he wore that until it like <laughs> well, disappeared. Tori's dad, we can send you whatever Miguel t-shirt you would like, okay? As long as you're not racist anymore. Yeah, yeah I know. Exactly. And my mom loves you. Oh, Aww. I want to meet her. Man, she every time she she's like, you know, I just love that when that when that Nazanin <laughs> when she was on the red carpet and and um. Uh, Miguel, it was for Miguel's event or whatnot, but he, they came up to talk to her, him, and the girl, uh, Juliana Rancic, I think it was. Yeah, brought me Like, up. just kind of pushed Miguel aside <laughs> and brought her up and was talking to her. I'm like... You're like, she's like, awkward. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm like, I'm, um, yeah. 
They're both oh stars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's no competition, that. please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't need that. Oh, man. Wow. So I have a question for you, though. Yeah. So when you're doing all of these, you know, the conferences and seminars for Tangible Movement, do you find it difficult sometimes to go back into those dark places of your past? Because, you know, every time you kind of have to bring it up. Yeah, you, you do. Know? You got to go back into that headspace. Like, is that... Is that draining sometimes for you? No. Um, I've I've said my story so many times uh-huh. mm-hmm. that it's just like almost like a story. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, like I don't relive it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's in your past. It's in my past. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, yeah, it's just like I have no emotion. I'm, I'm not emotionally tied to it at, at this point just because I've said it over and over so many times. In the beginning, yes. Mm-hmm. Very difficult. You know, it's like reopening those wounds. 100%. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yes. It's, it's a lot. And I know. if you're not ready to do it... If you want to get into the mental health, you know, what do you call it, space and want to be an advocate, just make sure that you're ready to do that and that mm-hmm. the wounds have healed or, you know, it's not going to cause you any further trauma mm-hmm. to do such things, to, mm-hmm. to talk about your story. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I always wondered that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I'm not for me anymore. I'm just, oh, that just like, makes me really happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It actually gives me energy to see that people are like, Really, really, like, wow, like, see it in their eyes. Like, oh, my God, I feel that way, too. And they come mm-hmm. up to me afterwards. They're crying. Like, thank right. you so much. Like, right. this has been a that's tremendous beautiful. life-changing experience. So that's why I do it. I mean, one of the best parts is, you know, they can get to your point mm-hmm. in yep. life. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the goal. Yeah. Inspiration. To, yeah. To be in your headspace mm-hmm. and to thrive and to help other people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so possible. But what's more important would be as people like yourself mm-hmm. and Miguel, um, the kids – the youth, they listen to their YouTube influencer. Mm-hmm. Right. They listen to um, their Instagram influencer mm-hmm. and musicians, right? Mm-hmm. And actors. So if, you know, yourself or, you know, Miguel gets up and says something along the lines of, you know, I've struggled with so and so and such and such, right. mm-hmm. it's like mind blowing for them. No, I, I know. Like, I. I want to thank you, honestly, for encouraging him to do those two seminars. Mm-hmm. That was the first time he ever spoke out about mm-hmm. his conditions, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, we know because mm-hmm. we've known him for mm-hmm. a very long time. Mm-hmm. But he's never publicly talked about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that it's was huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was It was huge. And he's he's now at a place in life. I mean, he's, he's going to be 34 where he's like, no, this is my truth. Yeah. Yep. And I need to speak my truth mm-hmm. so I can move forward. Absolutely. No, it's true. You know, it's- and... Cleansing. I'm really proud mm-hmm. of him for that. Oh, me yeah. too. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I've known him for, what, seven years now? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like mm-hmm. I've seen him go through a lot of changes. Yeah, his whole evolution. Major. Yeah. Um. So that was really, really impressive for him to, you know, do that and just come right out and go for it. Right. Yeah. Do you think that's another chapter in a person's healing is that, you know, they're able to, even though they've, they've already overcome it, but now they take it to this next level where they're publicly or, you know, obviously he's a... a person of fame so he can talk publicly but Mm -hmm. if you're able to talk publicly about it and and acknowledge it to a bigger mass and say you know this is where i'm at now like does that take you up a notch in your healing it a hundred thousand percent right because um talking about it openly you know Mm -hmm. it it keeps it it just keeps okay yeah that's where i was that's what i was doing like it's it's courageous it and um I just I benefit a lot from it, mm-hmm. probably as much as the next person sitting there listening to my story. Mm-hmm. So once you start doing it on a regular basis, it's mm-hmm. like wow, like these people are really listening and they're really mm-hmm. affected by it, and they're, and they're really wanting now to go to therapy or mm-hmm. they're gonna 
listen to their mom and go to the therapist mm-hmm. or yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, so it keeps you motivated to continue doing what you're doing uh-huh. and stay on track because right. you know all these people know what you've been through and where you're at now yep. and you want to like not disappoint them and keep them, you know, it's a part of it, right? Don't you I'm think? sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It keeps you accountable. Yeah, it, exactly. It, it, it holds you know that extremely accountable. Right. There you go. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it's like being a trainer. Like you're, you're keeping your clients accountable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's a big reason why. You know, I know I hire you. You keep me accountable. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, like, I'm the most expensive babysitter there yeah, is. Exactly. Yes, That's True why that. I don't use you. <laughs> True that. One day, Tori. Yeah. Yeah. We'll wait till this podcast takes off. <laughs> like, no, that's, I, I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's a part of the job. Yeah, it's accountability. And, yeah, accountability. Yeah. Some a thousand people percent. pay for it. Yep. Yeah, a thousand percent. It's so important. We all kind of need it. Yep. You know, we we need to be accountable. And so, how does one? My other thing about it is, you have a family member or a person you're dating or somebody who's really close to you that's struggling, you know, with these mental health issues, whether they recognize them or not. What can friends and family do to help support that person? That's a great question. Um, first of all. If somebody is talking about like giving their possessions away or like leaving the planet or talking along the lines of their life ending soon. Right. It is okay to ask somebody, and this is what people don't understand. It's okay to ask somebody, hey, are you feeling suicidal? Are you feeling like you're going to harm yourself? Right. People are afraid to ask that because they think it's going to cause them to think it. Right, right, right. It's not true. They're already thinking it. They're already thinking it. It's not going to cause somebody who's not thinking it to start thinking it. Right. Right. So talk to them, ask questions, like ask them what, hey, what can I do for you? Right. Regardless if they're feeling suicidal or not. Mm-hmm. Um, what can I, how can I help you? What right. can I, what can I do to help you? Right. Sometimes it's just sitting watching TV with, with them, right. you know. Just being there. Yeah. Um, no one likes to be told what to do. Right. But um, just under, just giving a, an ear and understanding and um, some, my friends would come check on me because mm-hmm. I would completely go ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would just come show up my, my front door, which mm-hmm. I hate. Mm-hmm. I don't like people in my apartment at all, unless we're doing adult activities and then they have to leave right afterwards. Oh my God. What a square. <laughs> She's like, goodbye. I have to wash my sheets yes. now. Oh my God. You have no idea. I know. Yes. I know. Yes. Rufus and I need to unwind. Yes. <laughs> Rufus needs a space. Yes. He needs a space. He's, yes. He'll bite you in the face. Oh, yeah. yeah. I do need to wash these sheets. Okay. Exactly. So, okay. But what if it's not to that point of suicide? What if it's just... What if they're dealing with narcissism and what if what if they've pinned you out to be the bad guy and they and they've created these, you know, pushed you away and 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 you just I don't know how I'm trying to explain this. How do you no, connect I get it. with someone who's pushing you away? Yeah, they're pushing you away but and you're they're talking it. about a narcissist in general, right? Right. Okay. So that's a whole other thing. If if you are able to, if you're not married to one or you're not in a relation, if you're not in a family in family symbi- family situation with a narcissist the best advice i have for you is to run oh <laughs> okay i got my shoes my running shoes yep <laughs> but what if you can't run that's what i'm saying so there are certain it's... situations where you can't right yeah. and you want to live through it like they might want to stay married because they have kids together or whatnot or mm-hmm. it's a sister mm-hmm. or a mother or a father and you right. can't get away from that mm-hmm so they are um, highly, extremely manipulative. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll draw, suck you right in, 
and then all of a sudden everything's your fault mm-hmm. and you they play the victim major victim mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everything's your fault and then also they make you feel really stupid mm-hmm. um so and the, that's all projection i feel 100,000%, like a hundred thousand percent because right. most 99.9 percent of narcissists are extremely insecure, insecure. Mm-hmm. um it screams insecure mm-hmm. yeah the, the number one yeah. way to disengage a narcissist mm-hmm. is to ignore them right or or be a, what they call a gray rock Right. So when they explain that when they yeah be the gray rock. Uh huh. So when you when they're trying to get a rise out of you because that's what they do mm-hmm. that they they feed off of um literally trying to get a rise out of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You take that away. You, you take it away mm-hmm. by not reacting mm-hmm. at all. It mm-hmm. will destroy them. Mm-hmm. That's how you keep your power in those Absolutely. situations. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you give in and you start engaging with them, mm-hmm. they have you. Right. right. They won. Yep. yep that's yeah. right. Yeah. So no reaction is the best way. And right. if and uh, unfortunately if it is a family member if you can limit your time spent around them um that would be ideal. But mm-hmm. if if you can't I would suggest if they're a parent and you're living in their house, you know, um talking to some friends about it and just number one thing don't engage mm-hmm. when they are um trying to get you hook you in yeah it's so hard mm-hmm. i know it is it's so hard they push the buttons the right buttons the right mm-hmm. button they know the buttons yep. and usually it's somebody who's close to you 100 so they and know you yeah yeah it's just i unfortunately attract a lot <laughs> of narcissists in my dating life well you also like to fix people they used to call you me are... captain save exactly yes. and i actually had a question with that and that is do you believe that someone can not be a narcissist nope. after they are one no uh, there's no medication for it right. and there's no and the therapy doesn't work because they don't believe that they're a narcissist right unless they're a self-aware narcissist which is very rare okay mm-hmm. so they never they will know they will never go seek help because number one you're the problem and right. you're the problem they're not the problem mm-hmm. so there's no like cure for it per okay. se yeah damn that's well, rough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a rough life for those narcies. <sighs> yeah. Well, that was heavy. All right. Well, that was very interesting. And when we get back, we are going to do Ladies Like You, and we are going to take your questions and answer them. Guys, I'm so excited to finally be able to say this. My debut single, Forever Mood, is officially out now. The song is available on every streaming platform. You can go on my Instagram, click my bio. It'll take you straight there. You will not be disappointed. No, it's so good, guys. Get it now. So it's time for Ladies Like You, and we have three actually really, really interesting questions. They're all very different. Um, Our first one is from at Jackie. (laughs) She has three three E's and two two Y's. Y's. All right. (laughs) Jackie asked, to be honest, I'm curious as to how one deals with anxiety, mental health, as someone who is in the public eye. I know it's 
no different than us regular people. It's like cancer. Anyone can have it, rich or poor. But what I'm trying to ask is if it's harder to cope with it, if so, how? Okay. In the public eye, I don't see myself in the public eye. That's a question for you. <laughs> okay. Um, this is a general. Yeah, I, I'll definitely answer it. Yes, it is very difficult. It's difficult in general. I think if I was doing an office job, it would be difficult because you have to show up and any kind of profession you're doing, you have to be professional and you have to show up with a smile on your face no matter what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, the difference is that in the public eye, you are judged more harshly and you need to be on your, you know, your P's and Q's at pretty much at all times. And I know that there are times where I have so much anxiety, like when I'm right about to walk a carpet, where I just sometimes want to say, I know we did all this glam. I know we put in all this time. I, I want to stay in the car. Mm -hmm. Have you ever done that? No. I have pushed myself every time. That is that's really, good. really yeah. impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and that's actually how I just deal with it. I have to tell myself it's all in my head. Mm -hmm. Get your mind together. Mm -hmm. This is what you chose to do. Nobody's forcing you to be in this industry, Nas. Mm -hmm. This is what you want to do. Right. So, and this is your reality. So you have to be bigger than what's going on in your mind. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I feel like in any profession, it's difficult. But in the public eye, it, it's more pressure. Yeah, it's, it's a lot an added pressure. It's an added pressure yeah. because you really do have to be like tip top shape all the mm -hmm. freaking time. And mm -hmm. like it's a it's just a lot to take on. So, yeah, it's it's not easy. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people that are in the public eye probably deal with it. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people because it's just it like you said, it's added pressure. I mean, yeah. there's just no way that you can just get up and go and have it be that easy there's right. got to be anxieties that come with that yeah and then some mornings like i'm fine mm -hmm. i'm totally fine yeah. and then other mornings i'm like oh my god like well, i don't yeah. even know what's going on right now i really just want to like lay here but i don't i don't mm -hmm. like i get up and i work out or i you know mm -hmm. i read or like i figure it out you know it's just about it's mind over matter at this point for me in my life um, well, I think I told you, I know I told you, Nas, uh, I'm mm -hmm. developing an app. It's a mental health app. Yes. I'm and excited about this. excited to tell you all about it later. Um, but yes, pushing through is definitely one coping mechanism. Another one mm -hmm. would be some, you know, a breathing exercise you could possibly do. It's while you're sitting in the car, just right. close your eyes and do some ser uh, series of like a minute or two minute deep, deep breathing. Mm -hmm. Another really good technique is to look at your feet on the floor. Hmm. And, oh. and say, my feet are on the floor. Mm -hmm. Like, say it out loud. Out loud. My feet are on the floor. And okay. if you have your hands on a, on a steering wheel, my hands are on the steering wheel. Mm -hmm. so, it, so it makes you super present. Mm -hmm. And you're not in your head freaking out about future stuff that's not going to happen because well, that's what right. anxiety is. I need this app. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need those reminders because right now my technique is literally, this is going to sound crazy, talking to myself, saying, no, no, no you're fine get out there i no, mean that's it's not just crazy. as good whatever it yeah. works you know, you know like yeah whatever works yeah yeah you have to you have to pep talk yourself totally exactly yeah. um okay um at her names jocelyn said when things aren't going the way you'd like in life it says howdy sorry <laughs> i wrote this late <laughs> how do you pull yourself out of the funk and out of your head mm. so basically what are the coping you know mechanisms that you can use to get yourself out of the funk when when this this happens to me a lot mm -hmm. 
This the is, cloud. Yeah, the yeah. cloud. I always call it the cloud. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I get mm-hmm. this cloud every once in a while, and it just hangs over my head. And it's called depression. depression. I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have all these things now. I didn't one know in five. Sorry, one in five Jesse. Americans ha- suffer from me- a mental health condition. Just right. So yeah. you know. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's not abnormal. Nope. So don't no. feel bad about it. Um, and it, it, you just got to know that it's there and recognize it. And once you recognize it, then you can figure out the ways to get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, obviously, that you're a trainer. Nas works all the time. Mm-hmm. Fitness is a huge way. Mm-hmm. I know that for me. When I stop working out is usually when the cloud comes. <laughs> yep. And when I get back to working out, then I'm feeling good again and the right. cloud starts to kind of go away. Working out, being healthy and fit can actually be more effective mm-hmm. than actual antidepressants. Right. Yeah. Um, I believe so that. So in, in the depths of my depression, um, no matter what, like I would put my feet on the floor and sometimes it'd take me hours to get mm-hmm. out of bed and to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'd force myself to go mm-hmm. on a run. That that was what I was going to ask you. What do you like? Just making that first move is like one of the hardest moves ever. The getting my feet mm-hmm. up from my bed to the floor is the mm-hmm. hardest part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then um, I don't cry, so I'm really angry. So I, I just cut. I just start cussing mm-hmm. at myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you just, my my <laughs> self motivation is a lot different it's than yours. <laughs> yeah, Nas is like, you got this girl. Tori's yeah. like, you, you fucking piece of shit. Exactly get out of here. Exactly what it is. Exactly. hundred. You're gonna be a fat ass if you don't get to the gym. You're a failure. <laughs> I will be running, and I will say, I hate you. I love you. I hate you. Oh I, I don't even. I don't even realize I'm saying it until I run by somebody, and they're looking at me like, what? Wait, you say it out loud? I don't realize I'm saying it out loud. Is is this why you go running at 4 a.m. so no one will hear you? Exactly. (laughs) There you go. That makes sense. I just don't like dealing with people. I know you don't. So so when they're in my way, like, I I just, you know. You have low patience. Yeah. So 4 o'clock in the morning, I had the whole city to myself. Right. Yeah. 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 I get it. Yeah. No, but I think that that's, I mean, I've had people ask, like, but how do you get motivated? How do you take that first step? Like, how do you do that? It's not about motivation. That's the whole thing. People are looking for a sign and they're looking for a symbol. Like, I got to get motivated first. It's Mm -hmm. not about that. Right. It's like you have to take proper actions in order to overcome your illness. Just mm-hmm. like an alcoholic has to realize they got to do certain things in order to get sober. Like exactly. maybe go to meetings or go to treatment mm-hmm. or stop drinking. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing with depression. It's right. like, okay, I got to, I got to get into solution now. Yeah. Yeah. As These hard as steps. it is. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Regardless. So yep. if you're looking for that motivation, you, it's not going to happen. Yeah. You got to just do it. That's yep. what we always talk about is like, just do and don't think. Yeah. Because the minute you start thinking about it, especially like for me, if You're I think about it, oh, I'm like, but this couch and my pajamas yep. and like, yeah. you know, and it's just yeah. like, I'll talk myself out of it. Exactly. And then I feel bad about it. And and then also know what works for you because I know if I work out in the morning, my success is like way better. Like Same. I'm a yeah. morning workout person. Same. I cannot mm-hmm. work out in the afternoon, nor can I work out in the evening. I right. can't. Right. I mean, I will do it if I have to, but like it's not as it's not the same right <laughs> it's just my day is better yep i'm it sets the tone it sets for the day. tone yeah. yeah and i'm not a morning yeah. person i hate the mornings right. but i just know that if i at least work out in the morning then i'm done with it it's off my list i don't have to worry about it yep. i didn't do it today and, and i you think, feel great the rest of the day yeah. the food yeah. tastes better yeah, yeah. no and true. you eat better mm-hmm. like i eat healthier whenever i'm working out me too mm-hmm. yeah. i'm just like no i put the work in i want to eat right yep. and 
But it's bad when I don't because then I'm like, whatever. Oh, like, I know. I've seen what you girls do when you're traveling. <laughs> hey. Well, traveling's different. You've oh, got to indulge. Right. Uh-huh. Like you haven't been to London a hundred times. I've Give never me a been. break. What? First of all, we didn't go to London. We went okay. to Manchester. Manchester. Oh, Manchester. Excuse me. And I've never been. And oh. we worked out. Okay. Yeah, we right, did. Okay, no, no, okay. no. We did work out. But you got to get off the couch and do it. Just End of do story. It. Don't just think about it. Just do, do it. Don't think. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, okay. We have glow underscore Rida 92 ask, what advice would you have for someone who thrives on anxiety and fears that without it, they would never get anything done? That's interesting. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, there, that happens a lot with people who bipolar. Mm. Uh, because like the hypomanic episodes that I have, they're very creative. And when people are in their mani- in, uh, manic episodes, highly creative. Mm. Um, and so people are afraid to take the medication because it will dull the creativity or mm-hmm. just dull their personality in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to really take into consideration like, okay, um, <clears throat> was hers about creativity? No. Like, no, I but think it was just, just about in getting general. things done. Yeah. Well, they thrive like, on anxiety and fear that without it, they would never get anything done. So apparently they're using that anxiety. The coping mechanism. Right. Weird. Right. So, uh, not weird, but I'm saying like y- you have to f- – is it damaging to your life? Mm-hmm. Is it? Is it causing you, you know, things – harm in some certain type of way? And unfortunately, it's going to get worse and worse. The sim- you know, the anxiety and stuff, if you don't treat it, it's going to get worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so my suggestion would be to see a therapist and try, at least try some alternative, whether it be holistic or any, may, maybe a type of medication, I don't know, mm-hmm. or some other coping mechanism to try to not use that one mm-hmm. as the mechanism of choice. And if it doesn't work, whatever you're doing isn't, doesn't work, you can have your anxiety back. <laughs> right, right. It'll be waiting for you when yeah, you Yeah, waiting back. for you. Exactly. You'll be doing push-ups in the corner. Oh, my right. God. But yeah. I also look at it like that's just a form of comfortability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you normalcy. Know, She's, ex- it's exactly. normal for her. Exactly. That's all you know. It's like when someone's abused. Yep. It's like that's all you know. So mm-hmm. you're just like, this is my life. And like without this, how am I going to be? Mm-hmm. You know? It's so it, it you definitely have the power to do things without that anxiety right you know it's, with it's, more ease too yeah absolutely like yeah. it's just all enjoying in the life. mind you can right. enjoy life if you you know don't use anxiety or you have cope you cope you have coping mechanisms that deals with the anxiety so you can go on and enjoy your life without having to use that as a life tool exactly mm-hmm. all right tori thank you so much it was a yes. pleasure and an honor. You were so open, yes. and we found out new things about you, mm-hmm. which were amazing. And thank you for being inspiring and having so much courage. Mm-hmm. We appreciate your bravery. Yeah, because for real. Welcome. Yeah, that that's this is essentially what we want our show to be about: is people talking about their experiences, so that people don't feel like they're alone and know that. We are all going through some shit mm-hmm. one Always. way or another. Mm-hmm. One way or another. When, when something's high, something else is low. Yeah. So just remember that. Yeah, like, you're not alone. We're no. all dealing with this stuff and there's 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 tons of places to find help and ways to cope with it and, you know, just talk about it first of all. And Absolutely. on Instagram, people are not posting their worst days. They're That's only true. posting their best it's and a, a lot of times real. they are photoshopping their best. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> 
a lot. Yeah. Okay. She's not that, with I, the shit. I no. saw. I saw. I saw a quote that so said something the waist, about if you could fit a ring around their waist, guys. Just FYI, it's not real. Oh, it God. is not. Yeah. No. No. Tori is not with the Photoshop at no. all. No, she is not. But yeah, Instagram is people's highlight reel. Yeah. yeah for sure. Basically. So you can't for compare sure. your life it's to not other even people's a highlight reel. So pretend real. Like, well, yeah. Be real for a, a I don't lot know, of people. Mine's pretty real. No. Okay. Some are real, but you know, you know. The ones yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. Of course. I think the one they're pretty obvious. Yes. Well, to me, there's. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. To us. Yeah. yeah. There's people that you know buy the buy it all. So. Yeah. So just don't compare and despair. Just live your life to the fullest. Right. Um. If you do need help, get help. Ask for help. Um. Or tell your friends at least so you have a support mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. Um. Take care of yourself. Self care is number one. Put yourself first. Put your mm-hmm. mental health first. And, um, you know, there's tons of resources out there that are welcome to visit my website or snap, shoot me an email as well. Awesome. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Tori. You're welcome, guys. Woo! Thanks for listening to Ladies Like Us from The Lady Gang and Podcast One. Be sure to download new episodes every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts or on the Podcast One app. And remember, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. The Hit Reels Channel podcast, Murder Made Me Famous, is back with all new episodes on Podcast One. Bridgeway did not seem to have the kind of family that would produce a man with so much anger. It just didn't seem to fit. Join crime reporter Steve Helling as he investigates the most infamous crimes imaginable. This murder illustrates just how brazen Jack the Ripper was. Download new episodes of Murder Made Me Famous every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One.